would rather walk by sight. Most of us would like to know where we're going. At, at least we think we would. Who hasn't said, I just wish I knew what God wants me to do? Chances are, however, if we're honest about it, we know what he wants us to do today. We know what his word says, and we trust that his spirit will enable us to apply his word to the specific situations we face as we face them. What we worry about is tomorrow. We want a, a detailed road map, a long-range plan. But he wants us to let him lead us one step at a time. For as Barclay said, if faith can see every step of the way, it's not faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. And the man who perhaps best illustrates walking by faith is Abraham. Among the examples of faith found in Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, Abraham holds a prominent place. In fact, we're going to spend two weeks looking at the faith of Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Today, we're going to look at his walk of faith, and next week, we'll look at the measure of faith he and Sarah were called upon to express as parents. We begin today with his going on faith. Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. He went out not knowing where he was going. So why did he go if he didn't know where he was going? Quite simply, he trusted God. And that was good enough. For Abraham. When God said, go, he didn't say, now, where is it I'm supposed to go? Or, well, how am I supposed to get there? Or, how long is this going to take? He simply obeyed and went. We read of God's call to Abraham in Genesis, chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land of which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went forth, as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was seventy-five years old. When he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his nephew, and all their possessions which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Now, these verses do leave out a few of the details. Back in the eleventh chapter of Genesis, it's made clear that Abraham was originally from Ur of the Chaldeans in Mesopotamia, or modern-day Iraq. 
And in Acts 7, when Stephen was speaking to the Jewish council, he said, Hear me, brethren and fathers. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Depart from your country and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. Then he departed from the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. And from there, after his father died, God removed him into this country in which you are now living. Apparently, Abraham made his way to Canaan in two stages. He went first to Haran, stayed there until his father died, and then went on to the land of Canaan. Now, how God directed him on the journey, we're not told. All we know for sure is that God told him to go to the land he would show him. And that Abraham set out for Canaan not knowing where he was going. Again, why did he do it? Quite simply, because he trusted if God said go, and he went, God would lead him from there. He didn't need to know all the details of the journey. He just needed the assurance that God would direct him, and God gave him that assurance. Something he's given to us as well. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Or as the King James puts it, he shall direct your paths. God wants us to walk by faith, trusting that he is leading. And if we have honestly surrendered to his will, we can be confident that he is leading us. He said he would. He said he would. Now, I have to admit that I really do like roadmaps. I pour over them by the hour, looking not only for destinations, but also for the roads I want to travel. Then I put them on the tank of my Harley and ride off, knowing where I'm going and what roads I'm going to take. I also have a GPS, but I seldom use it. I like the big picture. Not just the turn-by-turn -turn instructions it gives. I like to know where I'm going before I get there. Besides, I don't really trust it. And I'm too cheap to keep it up to date. <laughs> I realize it's old-fashioned to use paper maps. But there's nothing wrong with it. Not when planning a motorcycle ride. There is something wrong, however in wanting a detailed map of the future to follow through life when God has promised to be our GPS. You know, we don't need a road map if God's our GPS. If he's told us he will lead us and we've agreed to follow his lead, we should trust that wherever we are, he's led us there. That makes sense? Now, that's not to suggest that he's like a GPS that audibly tells us where to go, or that he points the way we should go at every intersection. 
But he has promised to make our paths straight, to direct our paths. And this he does in numerous ways. He's pointed out some specific paths we are to avoid and some we are to follow in his word. He's told us how to order our priorities so we know which way he would have us turn when we come to a crossroad in life. We ask ourselves, which decision is going to fit in with the life God wants me to live? What's his priority here? Not mine. He's given us brothers and sisters in the faith who are traveling down the same road so we can ask them for directions if we get a bit confused along the way. And he's placed within us his Holy Spirit to convict us when we're going wrong and to assure us when we're going right. He's given us all we need to walk by faith one step at a time. He says, trust me. Enter into a faith relationship with me and I will lead you. If we'll do that, like Abraham, we won't need detailed instructions. When he says, go, we'll start going by faith. And then, like Abraham, we'll continue living in faith. Verse 9. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob fellow heirs of the same promise. Robert Louis Stevenson said, it is better to travel hopefully than to arrive. Seldom does reality meet our expectations or our dreams. We can only guess what Abraham hoped for while traveling to the land of promise. But we can be reasonably certain it's not what he found when he arrived. In Genesis 12, verses 6 through 10, we begin, And Abram passed through the land as far as the side of Shechem to the oak of Morah. Now the Canaanite was in the land. Excuse me? Excuse me, God. You didn't say anything about Canaanites. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. To my descendants? I thought you were going to give it to me. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. And Bethel on the west and Ai to the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. I wonder what he said when he called upon the name of the Lord. Is this it? Is this where I stay? Apparently not. And Abram journeyed on, continuing toward the Negev. He traveled further south. What did he find there? Well, now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. Famine. Famine in the land of promise. I'm sure this is not what Abraham expected. 
then after a time in Egypt, where Abraham was so afraid for his own life that he put his wife in a very awkward position. He returned to Canaan with his flocks and herds and tents. And Lot with his flocks and herds and tents. And discovered the land couldn't sustain them while living together. There was strife between their herdsmen. So Abraham told Lot to choose what portion of the land he wanted. And of course, Lot chose the best. The entire Jordan Valley. Abraham got what was left over. God did then assure him that all the land he could see was for him and his descendants. But, of course, at that point, Abraham didn't have any descendants. And he was in his 80s. <laughs> we'll pick up the story there next week. But you get the idea. It wasn't easy living in the land of promise. But Abraham lived there by faith. Trusting that even though things weren't going like he had expected, and he didn't know where he was going, God did. He was content to live in a land God said was his as an alien in a foreign land. And he was content to live in tents, as would his son and grandson, without the security of four walls around them, because his security was in the God who had led him there. Sometimes living in faith is harder than walking by faith. But Abraham knew the journey wasn't over. Canaan wasn't his final destination. There's an apocryphal statement of Jesus that goes, The world is a bridge. The wise man will pass over it, but will not build his house upon it. Now, it's impossible to verify that Jesus actually said that, but it's true nonetheless. The world is a bridge, and the wise man will pass over it, but not build his house upon it. Abraham didn't build a house in Canaan because he was looking with faith for another city. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they had went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Jewish tradition says that God gave Abraham a glimpse of the holy city while he was still living in Mesopotamia. And if he did, it was probably like John's recorded for us in Revelation 21. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. 
having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with twelve gates, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold. Abraham was looking for the city which has foundations, the permanent, eternal city whose architect and builder is God. He was content, living in a tent, because he knew God was preparing for him a mansion. He was satisfied living as a stranger in exile and outsider on earth because he knew he was a citizen of a heavenly country. And his willingness to be identified all his life as an alien wasn't because he didn't want to give up his ethnic heritage because he still had emotional ties to his fatherland. He could have gone back to Mesopotamia if he'd wanted to. But he didn't want to go back. He found something better. And it wasn't the land of Canaan. It was the promise that God had prepared a city an eternal city for him and his descendants. And if they would trust him and obey him, that city would one day be theirs. No, he nor his descendants ever came into possession of that city while living on earth. They simply saw it from a distance, through eyes of faith. They knew it was there. God had assured them it was there, and it was theirs. And they believed God. They trusted Him. They obeyed Him. They let Him lead them one day at a time, one step at a time. And as a result, God was not ashamed to be called their God. On numerous occasions, God identified himself as the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He wasn't ashamed to be called their God. Now think about that for a moment. I think that's mind-boggling. The creator of the universe identifies himself as the God of those who trust him and walk with him by faith through life. You know, if God were to reveal himself to an acquaintance of yours, would he say, I am the God of fill in the blank? Would God introduce himself as the God of Scott, the God of Dave, the God of Matt, the God of Rick? Would he identify himself? That, that's mind-boggling. The creator of the universe identifies himself as the God of Shar. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Would he say that? Or... 
be ashamed to be called your God? Would he be ashamed to be identified as the God you worship and live for? Are you living a life that honors him? Are you trusting him and obeying him? You know, it's up to you. Abraham could have disobeyed. He could have said, ah, no thanks. I think I'll stay where I am. Or he could have said, ah, I've gone far enough. I'm going to settle down here and stake my claim. But he didn't. He had eyes focused on the heavenly city. And he was confident that if he would just let God lead him every day, one day, that city would be his. Well, that promise has been made to us as well. If we'll walk by faith every day, one step at a time, God will lead us home. If you've not made a commitment to his lordship, made public your desire to, to trust him and obey him, and you've not committed yourself to a life of faith, I invite you to do so. We live in a very uncertain world, do we not? And quite frankly, as we get older, it becomes more uncertain all the time. You know, thanks to Tracy, I've got a good insurance agent. He's been trying to uh, help me plan, you know, a little burial insurance here, a little nursing home insurance there. It's like, <sighs> I know I'm going to have to use one of those. <laughs> and... We do. We do want to be good stewards of what we've been given. We want to be responsible. But we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We don't know. And God does not give us a detailed roadmap. He wants us to walk by what? By faith, not by sight. Let's do that. Let's walk together. Keep our eyes focused on that city with foundations. I like that. You know, I built my house 30-some years ago. I keep finding wood that's rotten out. Hello? It's supposed to last forever. You know, I bought my windows. They were guaranteed for 15 years. That's past 20 years ago. I'm looking forward to a house with foundations. I hope you are too. Let's trust him. Let's obey him. Let's travel that journey together. Let's stand.